Anything's possible, though, because, you know, Bitcoin is money, so, you know, money talk, man. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast, powered by Cointelegraph. What began as a small experiment is now a rapidly expanding ecosystem. As citizens of the internet, we expect to be able to send money over the internet as quickly and cheaply as sending an email. As citizens of the internet, we demand transparency. Here, we talk about Bitcoin, Ethereum, blockchain industries, fintech, and more. But we're not experts. We're just three guys in the Bitcoin community. And adoption is the only thing that matters. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast, episode number 100 and whatever the hell episode. 118. That's right. So that's at least 118 hours worth of content. That's more than your average grade A RPG. You can't even play. Well, maybe some of you can play World of Warcraft for that long, but a lot of you can't. We've been making a lot of content. But anyways, welcome to episode 118. It's going to be a good episode. I'm host number two, D. And I'm the other host, host number three, Corey. Cello was out today. He's got some family issues. And I wouldn't say issues. He's got an anniversary. So he's got to get into them issues. <laughs> That's not an issue. He's, he's got a wedding an anniversary. It's, it could be an issue. It's a good issue. Issues it's a good always. issue associated with negativity it's a good issue yeah he's he's uh he's uh trying to make a marriage accident <laughs> that's what he's trying to do like <laughs> ooh, pleasant surprise didn't see this coming anyways cello happy anniversary um you better have gotten your wife roses or else i'll be disappointed in you as roses, a man roses are weak man I, ne- I will never buy my wife roses ever you're never gonna buy your wife roses. They're so they're so cliche and boring, and then they die You're, real quick. If I, if I get her flowers, to the show. I'm gonna get her flowers that last a little longer than some some roses. You're gonna throw some food in a vase for. I mean, roses is a universal symbol for love, though, Corey. So sure, what you basically yeah, just said is, I don't really love my told. wife that much. I was not thought, told that. Put some thoughts into my gifts. Yeah, but my thought is my plan to go to the grocery store and get the roses and how long it's going to take. <laughs> That's my thought that I put into it. Anyways, uh, we got some ads for you guys. We're going to get through them real quick. Um, so if you've been listening to the show for any period of time, you know we are sponsored by escrowmybids.com. Uh, what is escrow? Google it. But basically <laughs> what you need to do is three-step process. You go to escrowmybids.com, sign up, step number one. Step number two, you're going to, what is it? What are we doing? Depositing yeah. Bitcoin. <laughs> Deposit Bitcoin into the wallet on escrowbybits.com. And step number three, start using escrow. Um, I feel like that's the worst explanation it. of escrow ever. That's Well, they don't need to know what escrow is. We've yeah, already been through this. Every time do. I do this ad, I'm like, you sh- you're an adult. You should know what escrow is. You buy something online and you're afraid to to send the guy money before you get it. Use an escrow service. Escrow my Stop business is an so escrow service. For the people, Corey. That's letting them know. Done. Best ad ever. Escrow is like third party if you're doing a transaction. There's a third party watching to make sure the transaction went through. Okay, for all you newbies in the audience. So if uh so now's jingle time, right? You gotta escrow your shit with escrow my bits. Got yeah all right cool that's ad number one we've got one more for you yeah we're also sponsored by athena bitcoin athena bitcoin has bitcoin atms all across the middle to east coast well austin texas houston dallas austin austin florida georgia missouri philadelphia ohio all over the place east coast at least they're easy go 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 to Bitcoin Bitcoin ATM. I think they're the largest Bitcoin ATM company ever. So if you don't want to use a service, you just want to be a little more anonymous with how you get your Bitcoin or or sell your Bitcoin, go to Bitcoin Bitcoin ATM. 
sell it, buy it, easy as pie. Need a Bitcoin. Yep. Nailed it. Don't they also? Wait, don't they have a thing? Do they have? We have another. Yeah, like, they have uh, a portfolio. Bitquick. 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 Co is the portfolio yeah. company. So, where there's Bitcoin, there's Bitquick. Yeah. Well, there's a bank. There's Bitquick. That's it. <laughs> we forget our own ads. <laughs> I've done them so many times. Cello's so good at them. He's memorized them. Yeah, Cello, we need you for the ads, man. Because now nobody wants to go to those places that Corey and I just talked about. I All feel right, like anyways. I would go to those places if I listened to that ad. No, you wouldn't. All yeah, right. I would. So we're going to talk about Bitcoin and Bitcoin accessories. We stole that from Ken. Sorry, Ken. So the obvious, most glaring news in everyone's face about Bitcoin, the exchange-traded fund submitted by the Winklevi was disapproved. Sad day, but not really, but kind of sad. What do you think about that, Corey? Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of, I, I was, I was curious to see what was going to happen after the decision because I kind of saw it as, I mean, it's, it's easy to say this 2020 now that it's happened mm-hmm. already, but it's, I felt as though if it got approved, it enabled a ton of traditional investment styles to start flooding money into Bitcoin to make it much more liquid. And to build a lot mm-hmm. of, I guess, traditional investment strategies on top of Bitcoin, which mm-hmm. means that a lot of money flows in. But if it got disapproved, there wasn't a lot of difference to happen. It's not like there was a huge portion of people, maybe outside the Winkle, the Winklevi, that could potentially just drop a ton of Bitcoin and sell it to get out. It was just either going to go up or not much at all. And we mm-hmm. saw that crazy price swing from like a thousand to thirteen hundred in fourteen fifty. What is it? Fourteen fifty. Fourteen fifty in less than fifteen minutes, and mm-hmm. then it dropped, and then it stabled back out. As of today, it's pretty much the exact same price as it was before that crazy price swing. That's the great. silver lining, I think. Like, oh yeah, it got disapproved, so it's not going to happen, or at least right now. And they're they're their reasoning was it's really hard to regulate because it's pseudonymous. Well, yeah. So they said anonymous because they're stupid. It's pseudonymous. Well, they said it, because it's traded on unregulated exchanges, it cannot be traded on regulated exchanges. There's, as they said. There's an aspect of so truth the, to that, right? Like the, 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 I mean, the, yeah, the I, kind of point to it is to not do KYC, be decentralized, like to ha- not have intermediaries in order to change money. I feel like because the infrastructure of how it works is based on this decentralization concept doesn't mean that the ETF fund is based on this. The reason I think it's bullshit is because all it does is solidify an oligarchy and state because it's bullshit. Because basically what they said is um, you don't have the right to money launder on our on. We, we're the only people to have the right to money launder. That's basically what they said. But no, because the idea, everyone knows banks are money laundering things, the idea and all that shit. solid, right? Like ETFs and traditional trading investments, they're, they're solid, but people find loopholes and there are bad actors in every community. It's, it's because there are bad actors in the traditional trading environment doesn't mean that traditional trading is bad. The same thing is like but, there's shitty people uh, in Bitcoin. Doesn't mean Bitcoin's bad. Right, it's, you're doing the exact good... same thing that other people do to Bitcoin when they say, "Oh, isn't that isn't that drug money?" Bitcoin must be drug money because people who do drugs use Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. It's the exact same argument. I think I think I actually understand SEC's argument now. They're saying we don't want to introduce more bad into the system. I don't know. That's all I... they're saying. That's all they're initially saying is because they're having a hard time taking care of money laundering as it is. The money laundering happens. Everyone knows about it. We read an article like four times a year. Guess what? Bank of so-and-so got caught money laundering the shit out of some drugs and or terrorist money. We're going to give them a slap on the wrist and we'll say don't do it again. But then if you introduce Bitcoin into the situation, especially in the derivatives market, it becomes like, holy crap. Now there's digital money laundering and we have to create a whole new section of whatever the hell. 
the reed to 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 um I guess uh what do you say levy it? It's not they're not ready. They're not ready. You know, the I think that's basically there, what this is. And they're too far behind in terms of dealing with people and keeping track of things already. And I don't know. Yeah. So what? It, it's it's a temporary kind of setback for the mass adoption of Bitcoin. But in my personal opinion, Bitcoin isn't ready for the massive adoption yet. We can't even deal with governance issues. And yeah, Bitcoin's pretty far. Potential forks adoption. between Bitcoin Unlimited, Bitcoin Core, SegWit, all that nonsense. It's like, can we figure this stuff out before we try and have everyone in the world use it? Because it's only going to get worse as Bitcoin grows. These governance issues. I, I couldn't agree with you more. You know what this this the SEC decision feels like is like when you were a kid. Did you ever play jackpot? Like the game that you threw a football and set a number. Yeah, you throw a football in the air and you saw call a number, and sometimes you call jackpot. Yeah. Or if you're the more advanced kids, you call out negative numbers, and then kids are like, "What? What did he do? What is he going to take points away?" And they catch and it, and they catch it, and you're like, "Ha! You got screwed. You should just let it drop." Anyways, <laughs> like uh, if you. So when you're going to catch a jackpot and it's just like perfectly thrown and you go to catch it, but you don't catch it. And then the ball hits you in the nuts. So it's like you get really, really excited to catch a high number, but then you miss it and it slips through and it hits you in the nuts. So it's really painful. But then the pain goes away after a little bit. Almost exactly what this decision felt like. At first I was like, oh man, the price jump, this must be a good thing. And then in late afternoon hit, it was like, oh no, it's not a good thing. It's a bad thing. And then I saw the price drop down to like 987, the lowest it went. And so when it dropped down to 987, I was like, oh, that's a kick to the nuts. And um, but then it, now it's fully recovered, like fully recovered. So now it's like, oh, it just feels like getting kicked in the nuts. I heard pretty bad at first. And then you just kind of walk it off. So I don't know. I feel like. Look what we've done with the securities industry and what it's done mm-hmm. to our economy and the way we deal with money and this kind of like the housing crisis of 2008 like this kind of it, it's it's run off the handle really quickly with how we deal with leveraging money mm-hmm. making making money off of like making wealth off of money and the way that like traditional investments work and how everything's based like derivatives, yeah, derivatives. How everything's based on derivatives and the amount of derivatives relative to the actual amount of real money. I don't know if it's a good thing that strapping that onto Bitcoin as well. I'm I'm reluctant if anything, to say I think... like this is going to be great if it would have happened, or, or it could have been, you know, the downfall. Could of, have been astronomically bad for it humanity. Could have been. Yes. I don't know. I didn't look into it that much. But like, look at look at what we've built and what we've become since introducing derivatives to traditional money. Is that the same yeah, road that's that the we want to go? Derivatives, the thing about derivatives that are sneaky is it seems to not be helping humanity as a whole. It's that's just I mean. helping one specific industry get really, really, extremely wealthy. Is that what we want? We want endless debt? No, I do not want endless debt. Which, if anything, Bitcoin needs to be a totally separate system, and Bitcoin needs to leash that system. But I, I did get really excited at retiring early. So, did you, do you feel like <laughs> everyone who wanted—I'd say not everyone—but the majority of people who were like pushing for this were just hoping for a price increase so that they became they themselves became more wealthy. I think at this thing is at this point it's a very conservative estimate to say that sixty six percent of the people that are into Bitcoin are into Bitcoin because of its financial proposition. All right, two so out of every three people would it like have it been Bitcoin. good for Bitcoin, or would it have been just good for the Bitcoin price, or are those things two things even separable? Would it have been good for Bitcoin or just the Bitcoin price? Um. I think it would have been just good for the Bitcoin price, especially good for the Winklevi. I don't necessarily think it would have been good for Bitcoin as a whole because the true value proposition of Bitcoin involves a lot of behavior change for people. 
And until people are willing to make the behavior changes, it's never going to Bitcoin's Bitcoin is only going to be seen as great and good to those that already use it. But for people on the outside looking in, they're, it's very hard for them to see the value in Bitcoin and then get to a point where we are, where we're adding to the conversation at a minimum, but you are actually building things and contributing on a higher level. There's going to be very few people like us three. So Yeah, but we've, we've talked in the past about like the adoption of Bitcoin comes from people knowing not knowing they're using it like, as the back-end system for a lot of other things built on top, right? Right now there are Everybody there goes. are like twenty middlemen in order to in order to go from the foundational structure of money to you using a credit card. Mm-hmm. But at the top, you get to buy shit, and you don't have to care about any of those levels underneath you. Mm-hmm. So with with like at the end game, the way I kind of see it is like now there's only maybe five middlemen when you buy shit and don't care about what's underneath it. Which means that it's a lot less cheaper, yeah. Potentially, more cheaper. Potentially, depending on what mm. what middlemen there are, what levels there are. You're not putting your trust in businesses as much. You're putting your trust in systems or network protocols. Up up until previously, the only way to deal with money was to put your trust in people who gave out that money. Now we have a system mm-hmm. that gives out that money and regulates it and controls the validity of it. A lot of change, man. So, a lot of changes for a lot of people. Well, they shouldn't care. All, all that should mean in the end is that it's cheaper, faster, more secure, more efficient. But we're not there yet. But look at the fucking fee price right now. It's like a dollar. Mm-hmm. In some cases. Yeah, the fees getting out of control, but it's been this high before and it went but, down. Yeah, I, it, I it think, may go down, oh. but it, you know, like we're we're button up against the the head of what the capacity of the network is. Yeah. And if we can't get past that or make a change to increase it, then this is where we are. This is as big as we get. Yep. So let's wrap up talking about the ETF. So the exchange traded fund. For those of you that don't know, we're going to say it one more time, was disapproved. What does this mean for Bitcoin? Really, it means nothing. It's kind of like um, kind of like finals. I know a lot of you guys are young, still in college. If you're doing really well in a class, when you go to take the final, if you do really well in the final, your grade's not going to move at all, really. It's not going to do anything. It's how averages work. You do terrible in the final, you messed up. Kind of like the inverse of that with the ETF. If the ETF would have been approved, there probably would have been a significant price increase. But its disapproval still doesn't deny the actual use cases that Bitcoin's fulfilling. So as you can see, the price just kind of stayed where it was. So that's the ETF decision in a nut in a in a in a nutshell. Yeah, in a nutshell. So I'm actually really impressed with I mean it's only been a day. I am really impressed with mm-hmm. the stability of the price. Yeah, me too. Really impressed with it. I thought that it was going to be one. I thought I was going to be able to gobble up a lot of cheap coin because I thought a lot of people were going to get shaken out. And I was like, come on, cup and handle pattern, baby. This is what I've been waiting for. Let's go down to 750. Let me goggle up, gobble up some coin. And then we're going right back up. But that did not happen. So unfortunately, I only gobbled up tiny coin. Um, well, in the meantime, we can go to interview. You want to go to the interview? It's a real yeah. quick interview. Yeah, we'll go to the interview. All right. So, audience, listeners, uh, we interviewed a guy named Greg. Greg's from the UK. Greg made a website. He, that website is called learnmeabitcoin.com. I stumbled upon this website um, while I was doing my typical Bitcoin media binge. And I found it, and I've been looking for a website that really simplified learning about the very technical behind-the-scenes aspects of Bitcoin. So this website does that. It even goes into detail and takes that ridiculously long Bitcoin address that is alphanumeric and really untranslatable to an untrained eye 
and it dissects every single section of that Bitcoin address and why those numbers and letters are there. I mean, it goes into that depth. Um, and it also creates really simple visuals for what the blockchain is, what's happening within a node, how it's communicating with the network, um, what's inside of a block, all things that if you listen to this show, you probably already know. But if you also listen to the show, you know we talk about mass adoption, and that's educating people. That's the only way really to get mass adoption. And so this can now be a tool in your tool box. Yeah, tool in your toolbox that you could use when you're talking with people that maybe are intrigued, maybe aren't. But you could at least say, hey, if you really want to know how this stuff works, so you can stop reading stuff on the internet that say it's a Ponzi and it's a scheme and it's drug money and it's whatever the hell else, you can show them this website. So without further ado, here's Greg. He loves Shania Twain. You can see that on his website. Uh, here it is. Hello, everyone. This is an interview, a very, a very special interview. I like to call it a special interview because I like to seek out, um, seek out guests that are actually like, really well we always seek out guests that are contributing to the bitcoin community or well, we wouldn't have them on the show if they weren't but i really i was a big fan of this guest his name is greg and he runs a website and the website is called learn me a bitcoin and i thought that was very interesting to begin with greg <laughs> because i was like that is that is that is shitty grammar and that's somebody yeah. like myself who lives on the internet almost that's gonna just gonna, just gonna ping me, and I can't get away with not looking at it if it says "Learn me a Bitcoin." So I was like, All right, "I'm gonna take a look." So, anyways, I go on and on about the couple hours that I spent perusing your website, but why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Oh, okay. Um, my name is Greg. Um, I'm 28, and I live in the UK. Um, I've been making websites since I was about 18. Um, my first website I made. Like my first major project was like a poker strategy uh, strategy website where I tried to explain poker like strategy in simple terms. And about four years ago, well, about three and a half years ago, I found Bitcoin and I found it really interesting. And then about two years ago, I decided it'd be a good idea to try and um, explain how Bitcoin works in as simple terms as possible. So this is where I am now, just uh, working my way through trying to explain um, how Bitcoin works. Awesome. Could you take me through, I always find it interesting, everyone's Bitcoin store, because everyone's exposed to it in a different way. And I, I just want to know, how is how are you exposed to Bitcoin? Like, were you studying? Were you, you know, just hanging out with friends? How did, how did it go down? Um, my younger brother was, uh, was using it, and... Um... He was very interested in it, and he just sent me some. He told me how to download a download a wallet, and he sent me some um, as like a payment for he owed me a little bit of money. And uh, as soon as I received it, I sort of looked around what I could use it for. And as soon as I started receiving it and sending it to like back and forth to my brother, just the speed of it and how easy it was compared to say using PayPal and having to log in, and just how quick and instant it felt, and how efficient it felt. Like that was my first experience of it, thinking like, okay, wow, this is really easy to use like why hasn't this been around before and so that's how i sort of realized how well i got a sense for how useful it could be and i started looking into it then and that's when i sort of yeah kept looking into it and trying to read as much as i can and understand how it worked which is quite difficult at the time but uh yeah that was my first sort of introduction to bitcoin just my brother sending me some and sending him some back interesting so you actually got into it by actually using it first not yes yeah that's good that's good i think I, I think i might have heard of it like somewhere like very vaguely like maybe a year before that but i didn't pay it too much attention but as soon as i first use it for the first time that's when i really picked up on it and what how long after you were into bitcoin did you think to yourself well this is complicated as hell and <laughs> no one's really going to get it off the bat. So I need to go about Dr. Seussing this for everyone. Like how long was, how long did it take for you to make that connection and start building, learn me a Bitcoin? 
Um, I think it was probably about a year. Um, I think a lot of that year was trying to learn how it works, and I wasn't, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do website-wise. Um, and then after about a year, yeah, I went for a bit of a sort of a hiatus of making websites, and um, it sort of all, all came together then, where I thought, okay, well, I need to make a new website or start doing something. And I thought, well, I I like Bitcoin. I think it'd be good. It'd be, it'd be very good if people knew how it worked. So I thought, okay, well, I'll make a website trying to explain how Bitcoin works. And that was probably about a year into it after it. But to be honest, when I first started explaining it, that's when I first really learned a lot more um, about how it works. Because I, I, I thought I knew how it worked, but when it came to explaining it, that's when I really had to sort of learn a lot more. Um, Would you say yes. that through explaining it, have you solidified your stance on Bitcoin being something really, really awesome and, and, and future building? Or is it still kind of shaky? Is it is it still... Um, well, I think it's, it's just clever. Like, the more you learn about it and you, th- and you have a question and then you ask and then you ask on say like bitcoin.stackexchange and the answer you get is like always oh, it's like a clever solution to how I'm trying to think of an example but like the more you learn about it the more clever it, it is like and smart like it's not just like clever solutions little things um like fees and stuff and how mining works and just like the way the system works and how it it's just all very the the solution is never really a hack or anything it's always like a clever solution to it's, the more you learn about it the more clever it and, and interesting it is that's why mm-hmm. that's why i found anyway so are you have you been engaged in the uh the grand debate uh no i haven't been engaged in it no i've been following oh. it a little bit um trying to keep out of it there seems to be a lot of a lot of discussion on it but yeah. i haven't really um posted anything about it or talked about it anyway i've just been focused on trying on the just the what I'm doing of explaining how how the like the technical side of it works, but uh, I haven't really been been very said anything about the the grand debate. Do people um do they come to you with questions like the do they know to seek you out for the answers uh, no, that they no. seek or oh no not at all it's still very early days with the website so far um it's getting some traffic um but I'm not really receiving. Um, any emails at the moment about questions and stuff, which is kind of handy because I'm still, I feel I got a long way to go when it comes to writing articles and explaining. I feel like I've probably just done about 20% of what I've, I want to do. Wow. So, but um, yeah, it's just quite vast, you know, like, I, the glossary I'm, I'm, is what I'm working on at the moment, trying to like sort of explain each individual part. And I feel like I've only sort of done the tip of the iceberg so far. So I'm just sort of working on each page. So it's still very early days of the website, and it's not getting a huge amount of traffic. So um, no, I'm not really, I'm not really a guru or anything at the moment. <laughs> it's still a very, <laughs> it's still just a very basic website that's just uh, trying to get off the ground. I don't think anybody's a guru in anything. <laughs> and if I ever meet a person who calls themselves a guru, <laughs> I will say you are full of shit, sir or madam. But anyways, yeah, it's, I'm gonna try to break your website, even though. I don't think we have the ability without our listeners. We've got a few, but I don't think it's going to break your website or anything. Um, it's good that I guess you're not getting flooded with questions yet. I mean, just for those of you listening, if I could, it's so simple. When you go to the website, you go to the browser tab at the top, and there's a learn me button. <laughs> you click on learn me, and it's a step-by-step. <laughs> it highlights, you know, I'm a node. I connect to other nodes around the world so I can receive transactions. It's just a step-by-step. Like, I feel like I'm in elementary school again. And that's like <laughs> the safest feeling you can ever <laughs> you can ever feel is back in primary school. So I I think it's a great website. I like what you're doing. Um do you have you ever thought of I guess building out this, like you said, into like medium, into guides, into maybe little pamphlets to give to people or, or, or ebooks or things of that nature? Or you said you're still working that up, working to that point? Yeah, I think that's like probably in the future. Like at the moment, I've, I've, I know what I want to do, which is like explaining like the each individual part, like creating like a little web for like, sort of like a little manual that all links together. So you can sort of start in one place and then 
work your way out. Um, and then after that, I'm not sure really. Um, just want to try and make it easy to understand and with lots of pictures. And so, you know, anyone who can, anyone can come and sort of get a feel of how Bitcoin works and learn as much as they want to, really. So, everyone yeah. loves picture books. <laughs> yeah, I, I learn just a lot better with pictures. Like, um, words obviously very handy for filling all in all, all the filling in all in all the details, but pictures <laughs> seem to just show you the picture really. So and that's why I've been trying to do is trying to draw pictures for each individual part and then and connect I, them all together. I see here you actually have a block explorer too. It looks like or a transaction, a block and a transaction explorer. Yeah, it's all um, one big block explorer, like sort of a visual block explorer. It all with all the live data as well. Actually, that one has. Mm. This is good stuff, man. This is really good stuff. So, let's take it back to Bitcoin. So, do you feel Bitcoin has? So, Bitcoin's in flux right now. Every time I get on, you know, R slash BTC, R slash Bitcoin, anywhere, it's like it's almost as dumb as that Halo short that used to come on called like red versus blue mm. i don't know if you're familiar with that uh not really no but uh oh, okay never mind. yeah well it's just it seems like bickering you know back yeah. and forth should they increase the block size should they do segwit should they do both how do you feel about it? i mean you've been studying it enough to make this real i think it's it, it takes an extreme amount of you know dedication intelligence smartness whatever you want to call it to to take something as complex as bitcoin and make it as simple as this so by doing all of this studying and and figuring out how the cogs work to make this machine you obviously have an opinion where do you feel bitcoin should or shouldn't go at this current crossroads that it's at um i've got a lot of help from the the core developers, like on IRC and Stack Exchange, like whenever I ask a question, they've always been very helpful and very well written. And they just seem like a very intelligent group of people. Um, and, I th and they obviously, I think they have, well, obviously have, they spend a lot, they've dedicated their time to working on Bitcoin. And I think they just want to make Bitcoin as good as it can possibly be. And if it was possible to just increase the block size and have everything be fine, I think they'd do it. But I think they all realize that that is a risky thing to do for the network as a whole and for the what Bitcoin stands for, for being like decentralized. And I think that's, I think, I just think they're very, a clever group of people and I think we should trust their decision on this. Hmm. There's a lot of people that would probably go at you with a pitchfork and torch. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. It's not that extreme. <laughs> all a bunch well, of nerds, really. <laughs> but well, I, I mean, just um, yeah, that's that's probably my main opinion on it. Just trust the people who've been most helpful to me. With um, and they all seem very clever, and so I. Yeah, I just trust them. I and yeah, sorry, that's the best thing I can say. Hey, well, that's all you really can say at the end of the day. I mean, it boils down to trust, which is very interesting because Bitcoin is like a play on that, on the tr the factor of trust entirely. Mm. Um, but I mean, that's that's where we are now. I'm a bit worried. I've been in Bitcoin for about four years. I'm worried that you know it'll stagnate. And we'll never be able to get any sort of changes introduced into the system because everything's going to be this 50-50 battle and this 95% consensus is impossible to reach. Yeah, that with... seems very high. I can't, I, I, I'm not sure why it's 95%. Um, but that seems like a very high th uh, threshold to reach. And I'm not sure. I mean, I really think SegWit should pass. Um, I, just, I think it's just... <laughs> should pass and maybe if it was like 75 percent it seems more realistic percent 95 percent seems very high um what, what's your what's your opinion anyway on uh between segwit and the block size debate segwit and the block size um i do say that um 
I would love for Bitcoin to be a peer-to-peer currency. I would love yep. that. Um, but given the the state that it's in, it's impossible. And the state that said it, it's, it's even more so impossible. I think an immediate change to SegWit is probably best because that also fixes transaction malleability. Yep. You know, fixing transaction malleability. That was a huge thing in the beginning that turned off a large amount of people way smarter than myself. I have friends that are computer science, masters in computer science, and, you know, they do all sorts of high-level programming for all sorts of companies, and they said that transaction malleability is one of the reasons why they got turned off to Bitcoin, and they knew Mm -hmm. about it before I was even in it. They said, yeah, Bitcoin's great, but they still had transaction malleability, and that kind of sort of caused Mt. Gox, and if that's still broken, then I'm still not into it. So, Hmm. I think SegWit fixing that is a definite plus, you know, and, but I also see the side of where Bitcoin Unlimited, they want blocks to be whatever size, you know, I can't even, I don't even know off the top of my head, but just to literally fit more transactions in, but they're also not taking into account, um, that'll lead to centralization. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So... It's a very tough decision, but to me, the safer and better decision is obviously SegWit because you get that, I guess you want to call it passive boost in the block size, but you also fix transaction malleability and then you allow for other layers of technologies to be built on top of it, on top of Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. uh, To me, it's obvious. I, I, uh, I guess... A lot of people would have it be otherwise. Maybe those are the more politically, uh, you know, politically driven. I'm I'm politically driven. Don't get me wrong, but I also just kind of want Bitcoin to to work and work well and grow and get better. Um, yeah. I'm not so worried about being this tool of sovereignty um, for most people that have been getting along without it for this long. I don't think introducing it to them is gonna dramatically change anything but Mm. some people love to think so so i could be wrong there but all in all i'm kind of a man that likes to i just want to see something get done (laughs) like i hate sitting on the sidelines watching nothing get done when it's like we should probably be doing one of those things just pick a route and take it and if it's shitty we'll go the other way (laughs) but we at least got to do something yeah, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, that that's where I stand with it. I'm just upset that no action is taking place. Mm. So, yeah, I know what you mean. But I'm just one person, and there's apparently millions, according to Coinbase, that use Bitcoin. So, I don't think it's millions, but I do think there's lots of wallets out there. Um, well... Yeah, I don't. I don't have too many more questions um, for you. Just I, mainly, this interview was to just promote your website, which is amazing. And I hope everyone listening right now goes and to Greg's website. Uh, learn me a Bitcoin. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. one word, and it is the perfect juxtaposition for how in depth you go to explaining Bitcoin and the blockchain and mining transactions, outputs, output locks, keys and addresses, signatures, every intricate aspect of Bitcoin and its technology. Well, not every, but I know you're still working on it. but, But for anyone like myself, that's not going to go read white papers for fun, even though I have done that in the past. It takes a lot of coffee and or energy drinks. But if you just want something to digest and it's easy, go to learnmeabitcoin.com. I'm going to post it in the show notes as well. Um, but is there anything you'd like to add? You want to you wanna amp it up yourself? Practice being an MC? <laughs> no. Um, no, I think you've <laughs> said everything I could have wanted to say but better so no that's that's brilliant i just just thank you for having me on really i really appreciate it 
No problem. And and feel free to, you know, post this episode all over the place. <laughs> Do my best, yes. <laughs> and that was the interview with Greg, creator of LearnMeABitcoin.com, educational website. You go there to learn about Bitcoin. If you would like to know go there. more about Greg or why he built the website or how he built the website, what he plans to do, he is now on our Slack. Come join us. Come talk to us. Talk to him. Ask us questions. Mm-hmm. Give us ideas on what to talk about on the show and who to talk to. Maybe we'll talk to you if you're interesting. If you're not, we won't. <laughs> If you are uninteresting, you can join the Slack and you can try to talk to us, but we won't talk back because you're uninteresting. <laughs> I'll talk back to you. That's what you just said. No, you just won't get on the show. Um, interesting. You won't get on the show. You won't get I'll on talk the to show. Anybody. Yeah, you're not. I'll answer you're, questions. If you're uninteresting. I'm not going to tell you you're uninteresting. You don't get on the show. And what sucks is that we've had guests that do interesting things that are themselves uninteresting. Those are grueling interviews. That is correct. It's like, hey, like, hey, introduce yourself. What do you do? My name is Dave, and I work with blockchain. You're like, well, we kind of gathered that. That's why we had you on the show. <laughs> Just want to elaborate a little bit. Um, yeah, so that's great. Go check out his website. It's great. Uh, the second half of this episode is brought to you by Kellogg's Cornflakes. Stop it. Um, you can get them in here. Stop it. Don't, just once, man. Just people, once, I want to be sponsored by somebody. That, don't pay us. I want to. We're brought to you by Bose speakers <laughs> because Bose is nice. Bose knows. Bose knows. Terrible. Bose knows noise. Brought to you by Bose. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> we're not brought to you by any of those things, but they're kind of cool. Um, let's see. So there's something that I really loved when it first dropped. And I was like, this is going to be the future of man, which is typically what I say when I see anything new. Like, it even doesn't matter. If I see a new packaging for gum, I'm like, oh, spring-loaded gum slices. This is going to be the future of man. doesn't matter what it is. Um, but I saw side chains many, many moons ago. And I thought to myself, this is going to be the future of man. And basically, it's like all of these blockchains are interacting, bringing all of their individual functionalities into one working machine. Think of a giant watch with cogs in it, moving, ticking, and they're all doing different, very specific things to make one giant, big-ass blockchain watch um, that does lots of things, like the Swiss army knife of awesomeness. Um Ever since Blockstream released their white paper on sidechains, sidechains have current turned into what you call oh, what vaporware, Corey? I don't know, man. It's hard to say with sidechains. It's like people are working on things. Rootstock is going to be a sidechain. Rootstock has done quite a bit of development. And... Yeah, but they don't talk anymore. Well, I think we've gotten past this. At least with Bitcoin, we've gotten past a lot of the like guess what I'm doing? I have a company. I'm going to tell you all about it, but nothing exists yet. Aspect mm-hmm. of, of the community and people are just because they realize that it's hard to do certain things or what they want to do is based on like segregated witness and lightning network that they just don't talk about it. They're building all the mm-hmm. infrastructure so that they, when, when it's ready and it works correctly or well and scalable, then they can come out and like, sell it as this as it, as it should be sold or mm-hmm. where we get a lot of our media doesn't allow this kind of stuff through or it is vaporware i mean it's it's, hard, it's really hard to say like i've i've found it now kind of difficult to find good sources of information and because a lot of these new companies that are trying new stuff aren't soliciting themselves as much as they used to it feels like nothing's going on in the bitcoin space but in reality there's a lot of things going on in the bitcoin space like ethereum Mm -hmm. still has that kind of 
look at us, look at what we're doing, look at what we're building. It's going to be awesome. Know about it. Mm -hmm. We're in the process of building it. It'll be ready in a year. Would you say that Ethereum is in circle jerk, circle jerk phase like Bitcoin was? Mm. There's always a circle jerk. And you could say that's not the correct term to use, but if there's an idea that everyone likes and people are flocking to, it becomes a circle jerk. I and that's okay. Like I've never myself participated in a circle jerk, but it's probably great. Huh? I feel like it's on the downside of that. The downside of the circle jerk? Yeah. Where everybody has completed and they're like dissatisfied with themselves? Yeah, like the crazy explosion of... <laughs> Did you just that... say yes? <laughs> I wasn't listening. Are you not? You're not going with that analogy. You totally blocked that analogy. I didn't, I didn't hear you. What'd you say? I was talking about the circle jerk phase of tech and yeah. how there's a circle jerk phase. And at the end of a circle jerk, it must be very disappointing for everyone that was involved, but during everyone's high on endorphins. So. Yeah. I'm sorry that I'm making you think about circle jerking. You look like you really don't want to even try to think about it. I, I was thinking about something, and now it's all gone. It's just dead to the world now. Uh, Anyways. Back, back to yeah, I mean, it's, I, I feel like there's a lot of development that's currently on the rise, and we're not going to hear about it until it works. Sidechains are one form of what's called interoperability, where you can not rely yeah. completely on the Bitcoin blockchain to build what you're doing, you just kind of anchor into it. You can use, mm -hmm. you can anchor into Bitcoin for what it's currently good for, which is essentially the massive proof of work network that it provides. Mm -hmm. But there's other types of interoperability. So you want to go from blockchain to blockchain, Ethereum to Bitcoin. There's only certain ways in which you can do that. And at the current state of things, none of them are robust. Right now, there's a essentially a a fully working Bitcoin node inside of Ethereum. So you can make contracts that react to events on the Bitcoin blockchain. So it's it's like a one way it's like a one way reaction, but you can't do the opposite. Mm -hmm. Why? Because nothing nothing exists on Bitcoin that has an Ethereum node mm -hmm. in it. There's no there's no way to do that. Rootstock would be the first way to do that when it gets implemented and robust. You can have a fully working Ethereum client embedded into the Bitcoin blockchain. You can talk back and forth. And if one thing happens on one blockchain, you can do something on the other. You can trade assets, things like that. And mm. because it's only one way, it limits you in what you can do. Like right now, Using the Bitcoin blockchain and Ethereum via what's called BTC Relay is a really good source of randomness mm -hmm. or like a random function in Ethereum. Or like you can say like, if, if this transaction went through, do this as well. Or if this event took place, do this. Can't go the other way. So it limits you to kind of exchanging tokens, which is the idea mm -hmm. of that'll, I think, will allow you to really see synergistic evolution of the entire space. Because right now, say you have like this one guy wrote about it in an article that I read that had a really good analogy that I that I appreciated because it was really useful. For every network, say a public network, private network, whatever, consider that network a bubble. So the Bitcoin blockchain, it's a bubble. And if you're inside mm -hmm. that bubble, you can do anything else inside that bubble. But if you want to talk to something outside of that bubble, you're shit out of luck. Ethereum is a bubble. Ethereum private blockchains, mm -hmm. they're all tiny bubbles. The size of that bubble is relative to the amount of money, developers, investment, mm -hmm. projects, so on and so forth. So right now, Bitcoin... So we're going to easily fall bubble. into... Go ahead. We're going to easily fall into internet. The same, it's going to be, I mean, some of the conversations you do have feel reoccurring, um, but it, it does feel reoccurring. Like each blockchain, you do this certain stuff on that certain blockchain, and it feels like the internet, but what's going to connect them together? Yeah, that's, and that's the hard what chain part, right? 
that that's the whole idea. Yeah, like that's the, definitely the, the hard part. Is, is is connecting these things together so that the bubbles can talk to each other. So like say like if you have two small bubbles, they can communicate through the giant bubble because that's where all the value is. If you can just link into the giant mm -hmm. bubble, but it's difficult. It's not as easy as the you know analogy we use of in internet versus intranets because internet versus intranets was all the same protocol. Mm -hmm. These different blockchains are effectively completely different protocols with maybe a, with with some overlap. And it becomes much, mm -hmm. much more difficult if it's not the exact same set of rules that governs the different bubbles. So building bridges between bubbles becomes much, much more difficult. So it's really good to have one giant bubble that can, can kind of connect to everything. And I think that's what Ethereum's trying to be. Mm -hmm. But it, it just needs more universal access seems. gateway. Well, there's a lot of smart people, but it's still really, really young. I mean, what, two years old? And they have a lot of work that they need to do in order to become something like that, just as like at a foundational level. They can't mm -hmm. scale. An open public blockchain that requires zero trust has to have a consensus mechanism that doesn't trust anyone, which is typically very slow. That's the reason why mm -hmm. private blockchains are so fast, is that you can trust the nodes. You don't have to share this consensus state across the network while still being fair across the entire network. Just say, oh, those, nodes, those nodes got it. They can go as fast as they'd like to. We trust them. Mm -hmm. If you trust no one, distributing the the consensus across the entire network becomes slow and difficult. But so they have to find a way to scale the speed in which they can do things while still maintaining that idea of trustlessness across a very large network. But it's generalized enough that it could potentially become the bridge that links everything together. Or Bitcoin finds a scaling solution. So Lightning Networks were have this kind of not talked about much, but way of being built on top of all blockchains where they can become the interoperability layer. So a Lightning Network on Ethereum can also work mm -hmm. with a Lightning Network on Bitcoin. So you can do all of the talking on the fast second layer and peg mm -hmm. into whichever layer you want for whatever purpose that may be. But in my, in my opinion, it's the future of, of how all this scales to what Where we this all is going. scaling to. It's just going to take a while before we mm -hmm. get there. It's the same thing as like the internet in the old days. Back in the old days when we were all built on the telephone line and, and you know, 56K modems, we knew that one day video conferencing might be a thing. But the idea of doing it then was retarded. Mm, I see what you're saying. So there might actually be some sort of hardware, some sort of physical breakthroughs that allow for some of these things to exist. It has to be. Like, there's, there's no, like, oh, I never even really thought about it from that standpoint. That's interesting you bring that up. Like, maybe somebody just hasn't built, hasn't built the chipset to allow for some of these things that we the think and, not and there, say about. The hardware is not there. The protocol is not there. The, what the, the inter, how the internet worked back then is very different than how the internet works now. Based on protocol upgrades, new hardware, hardware upgrades, sets, right? A lot of things changed. Infrastructure Mm-hmm. You know and what? You just gave me an idea. We need to find an internet historian and get him really and get her on the show. That'd be a really good one. Let's do that. We need to find an internet historian and get him on the show because I do believe maybe if we could figure out a little bit about how the, the history of the internet came up, we can use that history, rhyme with it, apply it to Bitcoin, and maybe there's a lot of solutions in that history that we could just easily apply to Bitcoin and start making some scaling headway because right now we clearly don't know what we're doing. No, <laughs> because we've this been at brand this for new, right? Three, it's not three it's, years. We're not remaking, but we are kind of trying to remake the internet, but we're not doing it the same way. The way we're doing this through blockchain networks is fundamentally different than how most things have been done in the past, or everything's been done in the past. 
so it becomes can't just use the analogy straightforward and run with it because it's not the exact same. It just is useful for visualizing where we are now. But yeah, I think that'd be interesting yeah. to talk to somebody that kind of I think it, I think has a really good feeling and understanding. So audience members, if you're listening and you are an internet historian or you know an internet historian or you have an idea about how to track one down, we would love for you to join us We'd love for you. We'd love for you to join us up in our Slack, okay? We want you up in our Slack. We can talk to you, ask you all kinds of questions about the internet, or your friend questions about the internet, and um, we're gonna get some information. So we need your we need your help, or else we can just find them on our own. Um, but yeah, I think that'd be an interesting route to take. But I think we're running out of time. Yeah, let's call it a we're day. We're running out of time. Call it a week. We're going to call it a day. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll just wrap this shit up. So, sorry, we'll wrap this stuff up for the children in the audience. Uh, anyway, so we are the BitcoinPodcast.com. You obviously know that if you're listening, uh, you can find us on the BitcoinPodcast.com. We're also on Twitter at the BTC Podcast. Uh, so, Cello runs a Twitter, he tweets. Retweet your stuff if it's cool. If it's not, he won't. Um, Corey is at Core Petty. I'm at Fergalotti. Cello is at Mojin Cello. Just Google it. You'll you'll find us. Uh, <laughs> what else do we do? We have a Medium blog where our good friend slash working partner, Ken, likes to write little bloggity blurbs on how to do different things with Bitcoin. We're pretty solid. reviving that quite soon. After uh, after the twentieth. Also, if you're still with us, I will be giving a talk on trust models in Ethereum uh, at Jailbreak Brewery in Laurel, Maryland, near DC. Come sign up. The sign up sheet is in the uh, description of the show. Free beer, free pizza. Me giving a talk about things. It'll be fun. I want to see everybody. If you're in the DC area. Come talk to me. I would love to hear from you, even if it's hatred. <laughs> even if it's just to show up to even say, I hate to you, hate on me, I'm Corey. Cool I hate your face. I hate cool everything that. about it. And I think you probably use Gillette razors, you noob. Really? I actually use Gillette. I can't Gillette. look at my face and say I use Gillette razors. I can look at anyone's face and decide what razors they use. I don't use it's a razors. skill of mine. It'd be my <laughs> mutant power. I thought my beard would give that away. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a great mutant power too. I'd say Professor X, by the looks of it, he uses uh, Norelco. We could find him at the nearest Walgreens. Boom. That's my super mutant power. <laughs> That's how I help the X-Man team. <laughs> what kind of razors does he use? What kind of razors do you use, Shaver Man? Uh, Dollar Shave Club. We're gonna have to find him at his house. Shaver Man. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Shaver Man. I already got a name Anyways, for yourself too, huh? Uh, that's right, Shaver Man. Keeps his face nice and shaved. Knows all the uh, razor patterns on a microscopic level. Um. Anyways, uh, well, that's it, man. Hope you guys enjoy the show. Uh, we got some new episodes of on ramping with D coming at ya, and oh, we yeah. also got some blockchain stuff dropping. Turns out, our last guest is not Jewish, whatsoever. Oh yeah. <laughs> Martello, Sorry about Martello that. liked the idea of calling him Jewish for some reason or another. We have no idea why. Not Jewish at all. Turns out, he's not Jewish. Yeah. So, apologies was to all though. of the Jewish yeah, and non-Jewish people alike. <laughs> yeah, he did think it's funny. I mean. Most of the things we do are in jest, and then we always get that one internet rager that's like, you guys should be more thoughtful about the things you say. You know what that's called? That's called recreational outrage. People who have nothing else to worry about, so they look for things on the internet to get mad about. They Mm -hmm. are shitty people. (laughs) So, we're done. See you later. Yep. Sorry to all Jewish and non-Jewish people alike. That's basically everyone. All right. Play... (laughs) the outro.